Self-Discovery Radio, the discovery of self is but a show away. With over 1,800 shows and growing, we bring you those liberating stories that help you on your own life's journey from every single topic you can think of. The only common denominator is authenticity and being in your meaningful purpose. Come and read our new e-book, plus see our discovery store and what wonderful tools we have for you. Do enjoy our shows and don't forget to share. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Susan Hager. This is from the series Moving the Human Spirit. We spoke to Brad a little ago about post-traumatic stress disorder, and now we're going to be talking about trauma within the family. When your children have been traumatized, how do you cope with it? Very often a parent gets very, very traumatized by that children's trauma and that doesn't help the situation. So how does everybody prevail and keep cool heads, calm down, get to the root of the problem, um, take away the, the energy from the trauma and start looking to the healing and the solution? We have no idea how much trauma our children carry. Um, very often they feel they can't tell their parents or they feel that they will be ridiculed by other kids and they keep things locked inside of them and then this just builds up and ferments and if it doesn't show within the child it's going to show later on as an adult so we really need to look at what's traumatizing our children how we can help them through the process and indeed through the traumatization of, of a parent seeing a child in trauma how does the parent cope with it managing their emotions so Susan's going to guide us through this process here today on trauma in the family and how to move that human spirit into the healing process uh, Susan's part of this uh, human spirit um, collaboration um, and uh, each one of them have kind of an expertise. We will have, uh, the next show will be with Cindy on relationships, trauma within relationships. And everything is about relationships anyway, isn't it? It's a relationship to do with ourselves and the relationship to do with um, with the way we interact with people. So we're going to be uh, discovering more about Susan and what moves her as well and why she went into the trauma business and uh, what drives her to see people kind of overcome that trauma embrace who what they are and to realize very often that trauma is an indication what your meaningful purpose is in life to find your courage and your strength so welcome to the show susan thank you sarah for uh, for inviting us onto the show i know all three of us about cindy and myself are really thrilled to be a part of this as a series and uh yeah as you said we each specialize in a different area and my specialty is in the area of uh, of family Right, and of course, so much family trauma. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about um, today's era. I mean, we we should have things even more easily. Um, everything's been laid out to make things easy, yet there seems to be more stress and more anxiety amongst families and children today than having ever before. I would agree. I definitely would agree with that. Uh, my childhood seemed to be very different than than the way I I, uh, I raise my children now, um, and uh, I think uh, parents today are overwhelmed, and there are many facets to our life and our lifestyle that brings up many different things for us, and and in how we're raising our children today. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we're overdoing it? In the, uh, you know, we talk about our childhood and, you know, mine was hours and hours of playing on my own or with friends. 
or just entertaining myself. And today we just seem to overstimulate and overdo. And I don't think we allow that time for just kind of little self-discovery through exploration of play. Yeah, you know, I mean, you certainly don't see the kids out playing in the backyards or running around playing tag and hang go or hang go seek or mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like they used to when when we were kids. Uh it's different, for sure it's different. Um do I think that they're over are overstimulated in that? I don't, you know, every child is different. So what I like to see, you know, our kids out doing more things outside for sure. Um, but I think that is a reflection of our parenting lifestyle as well, too. We're busy. We are busy, busy parents. But the other thing, too, I think is a safety issue. I mean, I would be gone from the house for hours. Nobody cared. Nobody worried because, you know, we weren't living in a society where you feared abduction. That was such a rare thing. And now it's like, I, I need to have my eyes on them because they could be snatched at any time when we're living in a different know we're different on guard aren't we I think yeah and I think that has a lot to do with social media you know it's interesting I had the conversation with my mom uh, not that long ago about this and you know and she said you know when you guys were little uh, this type of stuff happened as well too it's just that um, you know with social media now we, uh, it, it is so far more prevalent uh, in, you know, in, in, uh, people having an understanding of, of what's really happening. And I think that almost puts a fear, uh, in us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the, I did a show recently on, on, um, the sex trade, uh, global sex trade, which is $150 billion injury a year. Um, and if that is not an epidemic of sickness, I don't know what is. And, you know, it's, I don't know what the statistics is, but the amount of children that do go through some form of sexual abuse in their youth um, is is quite exponential, isn't it, today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's not an area that I really touch on a lot. So I've I've definitely heard about it, and I've had conversations with people, uh, you know, around it. Um, I mostly work with uh, children and and parents where uh, one of the you know one of the parents might be have di- been diagnosed with trauma, or uh, or the child themselves has have gone through some type of trauma. Um, it doesn't necessarily you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter what the trauma was. It's what do we want to do with the information? Right. And, and how do we want to begin to move the whole uh, structure of the family forward, even though this thing has happened? Mm-hmm. Do you find that with children, when something happens in the family, you know, a family member gets sick or maybe there's an accident or something happens, that the child automatically takes on that they've caused it in some way? Um, little guilt thing. Yeah, you know what? I mean, and again, I will go back to that is an individual. Each child will pick up on that information, uh, on different levels. So it really, really just depends on, uh, where that child is in that moment in time for themselves emotionally. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite a fascinating thing actually to kind of watch and see what that struggle might be. Because mm-hmm. I know that it happens a lot when, when kids, uh, when parents divorce, 
you know, the kids, oh, if I'd been better, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done that. And they very often think that they caused the divorce. Yeah, I, you know what, um, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with what you're saying. And, you know, and again, I will go back to it really just depends on the child and where they are in that state of mind, uh, when that divorce is happening. So it also will depend on how the parent is reacting, you know, to, to the child's questions or, um, you know, or what's happening in the dynamics within that relationship, that parent-child relationship at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, the children are sponges, aren't they? They're going to absorb whatever is going on around them. And, you know, that is sometimes good or bad behavior with the parents. Uh, and of course, if the parents are going through something uh, traumatic and they're trying to keep it from their child, the child's going to pick up from it, aren't they? They just they're going to know something's wrong. The, yeah, for sure. I mean, the child picks up on you know many, many underlying currents that probably the parent isn't even aware mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Oh, um, I really find that uh, you know it, it's really how does the parent uh, speak to the child about what's happening. Um, and, you know, and, and the information that is being given directly to the child, not either one of the parents. So would you say that at that point, you know, depending on the age of the child, a certain amount of open and honesty would better be there than trying to kind of delude or hide the situation? Um, in my personal opinion, yes, I think open, being open and honest with your child, uh, you know, around divorce and that is, uh, you know, definitely something that should be, uh, should be an, a, a conversation that should be had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and as you said, depending on the age of the child, uh, would determine, you know, the information that would be given to the child, but always in openness and in honesty. Uh, you know, I mean, that will translate to them as they move forward in their own relationships and, and in their relationship with you, um, as they grow as an individual. Yeah, because whatever they learn right now as children, even what family demand, uh, dynamics, it becomes part of their tools in their toolkit. So you really want to make sure they have the right tools in their toolkit as they grow up to face challenges and obstacles they're going to come through in life because I know it's really loved, you know, lovely to kind of sugarcoat and give kids a fairy tale life, but you know, reality is really. And I think when when it comes, the best way to arm the child with is the tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I think you know the more tools that we have in our tool belt, uh, that's what I like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the more the more we can go out in life and experience it in a full and uh and curious manner do you find that um i mean you know we have kind of four really personalities but do you find that there are certain personalities that kind of hold on to the trauma more unable to let it go where others can kind of reason or, or see it discuss it out but some just it just seems to get into the whole cellular and they're consumed by it um yeah for sure uh, you know i mean it every child is so different uh and i uh, one personality over another um 
mean, what do you do with a child like that? Because sometimes you can have kind of a highly strong parent and that kid is picking up on that because everything's vibrational and they pick up on the vibration all the time. And that kid is caught up not only in the parent's trauma, but their own trauma. And then just so trapped in it is how do you release them from that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, we release things by, you know, allowing the body to, uh, to, um, disperse the energy. And we release it by what we call asking open-ended questions where there's not just a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. It is allowing the child to talk through it um, and not being navigated to speak through it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when, when we coach a, anybody, uh, and really when we coach a child, it's um, not putting words in their mouth, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, and... Um, uh, we sit in what we call a true coach position where it is their agenda and what is it that they want, um, you know, from what's happened and moving them forward uh, in, you know, in creating that space for themselves so that they can share and they can be uh, open and honest with their, uh, with their siblings, with their parents and with their friends. Yeah. I think that's kind of, a respect, isn't it? Because, you know, this old adage, children should be seen and not heard, is a whole load of codswallop. Um, and our children are incredibly intuitive and very wise in their beautiful simplicity. Um, and sometimes if we, as you say, just give freedom to speak and express, we learn quite suitably from them, don't, don't we? Because when they're given that permission to kind of really articulate how they feel, very often it could be very, very profound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, freedom to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like how many how many families still sit at the dinner table together, you know, um, every single night of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean and you know, and, and have these open conversations. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the place to do it. You know, we always had a round table and whether we had other kids there or not, you know, it that, that was the conversation pit. How was the day? What did you learn? The questions that would come up. Mommy, what is this? What is that? And, you know, my ex and I would look at each other and go, gulp, we answer this one. And, you know, depending on the age, you know, address it. We never hid anything. And we never ever said, because I said so. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, they're inquisitive. And if you don't feed that inquisitiveness, they're going to get it from someone else and that someone else may have the facts wrong. So, and also it tells your child that you're not open to a dialogue with them. You're only up, um, open to dictating to them, not listening to them. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think having open conversations, you know, uh, when you, when you have the opportune moments, um, like I said, I don't know how many families sit, you know, at the dinner table every single night together anymore. I know. I know. It's, yeah. it's sad, isn't it? Yeah, but having that, di- but you can still have the dialogue. You know, the best place, one of the best places actually to have an open dialogue with your child is when you are sitting in the car driving somewhere. Yeah. And the reason for that is because they will be looking forwards and, um, and you're not standing right in front of them. So when we talk about one of the things that I teach in, in one of my parenting classes is when you're talking to your child, don't stand directly in front of them. 
or look because, down on them. Yeah. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's because we we block their their thinking strategy, their what we call their prefrontal cortex. Mm. And so when you're standing in front of them, you're actually blocking their visual their vision. Where if you're sitting beside them as you're in the car, this conversation will flow more openly because you're not blocking their vision and they see outwards. Right. And and also I think it's putting you on an even keel, kind of on the same level, not this hierarchy, you know. Uh, I'm your master, you know. Um, and I think then kids, kids want to tell their parents everything, but if they get reprimanded or shown, they shut up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think interestingly enough is when we ask a question, you know, um, I'll have a lot of parents that will say to me, yes, you know, well, I do, I do ask open-ended questions, you know, not just yes or no answers. And uh, and then I'll ask them, okay, so how long do you wait in the silence before you start to, to fill it with a, you know, with your own answer? And many times what happens is we don't, uh, we don't allow the silence to sit long enough for the child or the other person to, uh, formulate their answer. It takes 30 to 90 seconds for somebody to actually formulate an answer. And, um, we get stuck in the silence. It becomes uncomfortable. So we fill it right. instead of, instead of allowing that space just to be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's in that assumption a lot too, isn't it? Uh, instead, you've asked the question and now you're assuming the answer. And mm-hmm. um, so we have to step out of our own way. And you know, that, that's a big topic there, the silence. Um, because people don't know what to do in, in that silence. It's the same in a, when somebody is going through a trauma and your friends don't know what to do about it. You know, oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, do do I say I'm sorry or do I say buck up, girl, or do I, you know, do I put my arms around them uh, or do I do do that? And they end up doing nothing because they don't know what to do. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, they don't know what to do. And, you know, the best thing that you could actually ever ask somebody that's going through trauma are my absolute favorite question for anything, anybody, anywhere, doesn't matter, is how can I best support you right now? Yeah. Yeah. And it might be something simple as a cup of tea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's the support they need at that time. That's what they need. Sometimes they don't need you to bombard them with questions. They just need to even have a handheld or, you know, um, that silence together, you know, because that person's going through the process. But just having the comfort of somebody there that's being supportive, you know, can help them through that. Because when somebody's in trauma, they feel alone, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and of course, and the thing is, is when we feel alone, then we feel that there's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then we start to isolate and you know and it's one of the worst things that we could do for ourselves oh it's it's you know we really need to just kind of let somebody know what we need from them so i mean like when you do have somebody that's maybe been diagnosed you know with cancer or an illness or somebody's lost a loved one um i think one of the greatest gifts you can do as friends or as neighbors is come in clean the house you know look after the kids at home make some meals 
and just simply be there. You know, no questions asked. I'm ready to hear, to talk or listen whenever you want. But right now, this is the support you need because I know that you're in a crippled state of being right now. And the last thing you need is that pressure. And that takes so much pressure off a person and kind of allows them to go through that process, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and the thing is, is we need to go through the process. That's yeah. the thing. Um, you know, so how do we go through the process and, and come out the other side as a fully functioning, healthy human being? I don't think there's anybody on this planet that hasn't or won't go through some form of trauma in their lives. You know, I call it the redirection. Um, it's kind of the universe tapping you on the shoulder and saying, uh-uh, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong direction. Um, if you're not going to pay attention to the taps on the shoulders, maybe the cosmic two by four is going to put you in on the right path. But for everybody that's gone through a trauma, when they're willing to go through the process and understand what has happened to them and discover their strength and their courage, I find most of them discover their meaningful purpose in life, their calling, and come out so much stronger and purposeful and um, more true to the world. But it's getting through that trauma because in a lot of ways at the moment you can't see it as a gift but when you have gone through it you understand what kind of gift it was yeah <clears throat> I agree I mean I agree with you for sure uh, that's really difficult though you know when you have a child that is in trauma mm -hmm. um, and as a parent and you're wound up in in that space you know at, at that time to really step back and say you know well, you know, this will, you know, support my child in, in creating this amazing path for themselves. Right, I know, it's, you don't think it at the time. It's no. Once you've gone through it and looked back, then yeah. you realize that, it, you know, it was kind of a gift in a peculiar, obscure way. Um, yeah. But it's, um, I think it's kind of, if, if a parent can have in their head, you know, this too we will overcome. You know, whatever we're facing right now, we, you know, be in the moment, be in the now address what's needed in the moment and I think one of the big problems uh, with parents and I'm a parent of three myself is when anything happens to them is the what if <laughs> and yeah. they start going down through all the scenarios and you can just make yourself hysterical that way and that doesn't serve anyone does it no no, absolutely doesn't serve anyone. Uh, at, you know, especially your child that doesn't serve them. Mm -hmm. No, uh, yeah, it's it's turning it around, um, and you know, and and creating something positive from that experience is uh, is what will heal the family. Yes, exactly. And you know, it is hard, isn't it, as a parent, when something happens to your child? Uh, you know. Um, I am fortunate that when something happens to my child in the mind, I kind of go into an automation and just deal with it. And then later on, I have all the shakes and the heebie-jeebies and everything else. Um, but it's it takes an awful lot of kind of courage in that moment to deal with the moment. Because, of course, the fear immediately comes up with your child. Especially, you know, I've had my kids... Uh, follow the wrong mum in the mall, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden your your child isn't there. But um, I always taught my children that if you ever get lost, uh, go into a store and tell the person behind the counter you're lost, and they will call security, and you will just stay there rather than asking a stranger when you're walking around. And uh, obviously reconnected with my kids, but in that moment you're absolutely living in fear and and imagining all the worst things. I think we go into autopilot. 
you know, um, uh, it's, I think it's an automatic, uh, thing. Maybe, I don't know so much about for men, but I think for moms, you know, it's, it's just that the scenario runs through your head and, and usually in most cases it's happened more than once, you know, like at the mall incident I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. Both real mine. Yeah. Um, you know, so you go into an autopilot mode. I think when it comes to severe trauma, uh, you know, I absolutely, I think we go into overdrive again, mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a, as a mom. And, um, and as a nurturer, uh, we want to fix it. Yes. Yeah. And not that fixing it is a bad thing, but sometimes our fixing it is not what the child's fixing it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, we put away the gorilla glue. Uh, it's not what the kid needs right now. Um, yeah. 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 But, but so, that's really hard as a parent though, as you said, because they want to fix it. They want to make everything better. And then sometimes in that wanting to make everything better and, oh, no, don't talk about it. Don't think about it. And the child needs to talk about it. The child needs to understand what's happened to them. You know, yeah. um, and if we don't talk about it, again, that's something they suppress and it's going to always come out later in life, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think, you know, finding, uh, a, you know, somebody that can support the child, you know, depending on what the trauma is, of course, right? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, but I mean, having a counselor or a psychologist or that work with that child to overcome, I'm talking a severe trauma here, you know, and, um, you know, and to work with them, you know, as a coach, you know, we work with, um, with the children and the uh, we work with the children after they've gone, you know, to see the counseling and, and the psychologists and that. And then we work with them afterwards. Mm-hmm. With the parents, though, however, we can work parents all of the way through so that they are able to support the child while they're doing the counseling or the psychology and that. Um, and that's really what my purpose in life is, is mm-hmm. to have the parent support the child. And, you know, very often, unknowingly, we're, we become part of the problem because we don't know how to support the child. Yeah. You know, it. You know, as a mother, you, you step into mothering, uh, and maybe that mothering could be a little bit too smothering at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's again, it's like that cup of tea. Maybe the child just needs to know you're there, you know, and don't fuss. Um, and, uh, you know, know when that hug is needed. And, and if you, again, have, have gone through your own process, your own counseling, to recognize what the child needs, then you're more able to help that child through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a catch-22 for parents, isn't it? Because, you know, they just want to fix their child and make it all better, um, but they don't realize what's coming across from them in doing so. Yeah, exactly. You know, and the reality is, is we need to remember that this is our child's journey. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, we might be having a journey in that as well, because the, we are, yeah. we are having, we're having a journey as well. Yeah. This is part um, of our journey. Yeah. This is part of our journey. You know, I often think back on, uh, you know, my own two uh, children, which are now young adults. Uh, but man, you know what? I would not do what I do today <laughs> if it had not 
been for all of the chaos and all of the, you know, trauma and things that, uh, that I went through with, with them and that, and that they, that they had to go through and figuring all of that out. And, and I still haven't got it all figured out. You know, I'm still learning. Of course. I mean, you will be to the day you die because that's, you know, the human condition. Keep learning, right? That's, there's always something to learn and discover. You know, the one thing I found with children, especially children who go through physical trauma, that they seem to have, I don't know, a logic or approach to their healing that is just so, I don't know, rational. Um, you know, when I've interviewed people that, you know, had childhood traumas or childhood physical traumas, you know, the, the the strength they had in going through that, uh, you know, being burnt 65% of your body um, and 100 oper- operations. Yes, the support of her mother's helping her through it. But I remember asking this young lady, did you have survival guilt? And she said, no, I was given the gift of life. And no matter what the package came into, I'm going to live it to its fullest. And sometimes we kind of sell kids short, don't we? Because there's a certain amount of profoundness and simplicity in their logic that is there with them and they seem to be able to deal with physical traumas a lot easier than we do as adults with our own physical traumas yeah i think you know, i think children just have the innate ability to live yeah why do you uh, that? Why do yeah, you that? I don't know. You know, it's, uh, it's so sad, isn't it? Because there's so much to learn from them about just getting back in touch with life, living life in the moment, enjoying and being grateful for everything that you have right now, here and now. And yet we've gone and traumatized ourselves by overcomplicating everything. Mm-hmm. And we need to get back to being a little more childlike, don't we? Yeah, I I agree. You know what? I mean, I think uh, it's... How do we live with curiosity? Yeah. Yeah. Curious George. Look at all the adventures he had. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, there's certainly having curiosity is something. Sorry, dog in the background barking. Having curiosity is something that I think is really, really healthy. Um, you know, it what makes us creative. It makes us find solutions. Um, it keeps eating fresh. And I think less invitational of, of, I mean, trauma when it comes to an accident or death or serious illness or fire or violence, those are different types of trauma. But kind of the everyday trauma of not being able to cope with life, if we just lived in a moment, lived in that childlike simplicity of enjoying each and every day, I don't think we would build up so much trauma that we are building up for ourselves nowadays. Yeah, well, you know, curiosity is an amazing thing to have. Uh, and it's an amazing thing for parents to, uh, you know, to talk to their children and that about. And to be curious, you know, always being curious about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I don't mean in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way, you know. Um, Talk to your children, ask them the questions, you know. So I'm curious, what happened today, you know, um, and use the word, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. And if kids know that you are interested and you're not going to get mad at them, and you know, I always used to say to my kids, I have a right to get pissed off if you've done something wrong that was just fury through stupidity, but I'm still your mother and I'm still going to pick you up and dust you off. Um, I knew that, you know, okay, I deserve that. It was a stupid move. 
Uh, but they always knew that that didn't affect my love for them. You know, my parenting uh, or, you know, reprimanding a, um, a wrong move was not a definition. I, I don't love them today because they've done that. They always knew they were loved. And I think that's, if it's done with love, if you're curious with love, then that child will always be open with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, what you had said is always let the child know that you love them. Yeah. And, uh, and it doesn't matter what has happened, you know, or what they have done. At the end of the day, you are still their parent and you still love them fully and completely. Yes. Yeah, because you're, you are addressing a move they made, uh, an action. And if you don't reprimand that, or if you don't address that, they're going to think that action is okay. Um, but that's got nothing to do with how much you love them. You know, this whole thing about kicking people out of the house, or, you know, no dinner for you, or the scolding and punishing for weeks on something, I think it just shuts a kid down. And, you know, so many adults I've interviewed who grew up with a traumatic upbringing because their parents were so dictatorial or so strict um and most certainly never invitational of of the child's voice yeah well and this is why when i train i do my uh, my parenting workshops you know those are all things that we talk about and and how do we move past that because that is a learned behavior mm-hmm. from what they've learned from their parents and they're just modeling it so how do we change that yeah you know and um you know, so those are the type of topics that we talk about during the parenting workshops. How do we change what we have learned ourselves? So what is kind of some of the process you do in doing that? Because when people realize, oh, my God, you know, I have become my mother and my father. You know, the one thing I said I would never be, but I'm just <laughs> repeating this pattern unknowingly. When You know, when they... When they have that a moment, that epiphany, I mean, how do you lead them to that for them to realize that's what they're doing? It's okay. Now you can change your pattern. Yeah. Well, in the very first, you know, very, like the, the workshops that I do are usually six weeks long. And, uh, and the parents will come once a, uh, once a week. And I'm actually just moving this to an online, uh, platform as well. <clears throat> so we can reach, reach more people other than just in the lower mainland here in Vancouver. But anyways, um, one of the, one of the very first things that I ask, you know, is, uh, is how you want a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, what is, what is it that you want for yourself? You know, at the end of the day, what do you want? And there will, there is a whole conversation that will come from that. And just in that conversation, it will start to lead into other things, you know. So how will you get that? Oh, and the parents know intuitively how to, you know, how to do this for themselves. I think what has happened is we've just been bombarded with this is the way you parent. Uh, we have so many different personalities, you know, coming at us that are saying, you know, don't this way, you should be doing it this way. You know, um, I, I just, I, I think back to when I was raising my own children and the input that I would get from my own parents and my, and my in-laws and my, uh, you know, my siblings and my friends and, you know, and what they did and what they, what I should do. And at the end of the day, 
I know what's right for my child. I just need to intuitively listen to what they are asking for and give them that. That's the key, intuitively. You have this connection with your child. It's a bond that was there from, you know, the seed birth for the rest of your life. I don't care how old your children are. They're always <laughs> your babies, right? Um, and you have that connection with them. And you know instinctively when something's wrong or, or you know, that you need to have a talk with your child or your child is, is feeling stressed out about something. And if we can get out of that, let's say that parent role of, you know, kind of, I always say we are custodians of our children. They are not our property. We're here to love, nurture, guide them, feed them everything they need to know so that they're ready to leave their own list and live their own life. Um, There is no ownership here. And uh, I think that sometimes some parents look at their children as property. And, uh, you know, um, I gave birth to you so I can take you out. And uh, that isn't really very healthy parenting, is it? And if we trust those instincts, that intuitiveness um, of raising a child and know what you want, then you've got a bond there that will be there forever. But we're talking about intuition, and an awful lot of people still have no idea how to tap into their own intuitive instincts. Yeah, and and that's what we you know we we teach or that's what we support is uh, tapping into that intuitive parenting side of what is right for them and what is right for their child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always there's also the saying, "It takes a village to raise yes. a child." Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and good neighbors and parent, par- you know, grandparents, and uh, I don't, I didn't have any of that because um, um, my family were still overseas. So, uh, you know, um, when my second child was seven weeks old, I met a, a friend who lived across the road, and to this day, our, our children are like cousins. Uh, mm-hmm. She's like the surrogate, you know, aunt or mum. Anything happened to me, I know she'll out there as that mother role. And uh, that bond is, is, you know, you have to create family if you don't have family around you. But it is so important to find that support in whatever way you can because you're not meant to handle it all on your own. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more for sure. You know what I mean? It is. It does take a village to raise a mm-hmm. child, you know, and so pick your village wisely. Yes. You know, <laughs> is it in and, the same philosophy as you, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, and, and allow that space to happen for, you know, for both yourself, um, and for your child. And again, just go back to the fact of, um, you know, even if they have said something to you that might not be in complete alignment with, you know, what your intuitive self is saying is, but how can you take the information and, um, you know, and, and use it and apply it your way and apply it your way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the thing is, um, there's always somebody who's going to tell you how to parent. Um, you know, and I think when somebody sees somebody else's child and they see the connection between that mother and that child, a parent will be drawn to that other parent and go, how do you manage that? Right. And this is what's so wonderful about parent groups or mother's groups or fathers that are, you know, uh, doing the t-ball or the soccer. You know, it's other dads. How do you manage to do that? I can't do that with him. And it's be willing to ask the question and be willing to listen. Doesn't mean you have to do carbon copy of that, 
but you integrate that into your own particular style and try something else if you have a problem with your child. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is why I do the parenting groups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we learn so much yeah. from, from one another, you know, and even, even now as my, you know, children are adults, um, even though we're still doing the, you know, the, the, the group parenting and that, I'm still learning. Yes. Yes. Which of course, you know, now becomes your toolkit to help other parents. Um, yeah. which everything is, goes into that toolkit. And it, ooh, that's a good one into the toolkit. It'll go. Absolutely. Uh, and, in, and the thing is, is, uh, um, I don't care. They could hand you a manual when you have a baby. Um, but quite, it's, it's just natural instincts, you know, getting to know your child, your child getting you, the more stressed out you are, the more stressed out your child is going to be. So, you know, let's talk about that in, um, the stress of a parent and that if they don't take time for themselves to de-stress and find that center, the human spirit that lies within them, they're just passing that stress on to their child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, you come and people will talk about how chaotic their life is and what's happening with their children and that and you you kind of hold up a mirror and say, uh, see see the person that's being reflected back in that mirror? Mm-hmm. You know, they're causing the chaos. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, and how do we stop the chaos? I mean, if you're overloaded, and you're not being able to manage the chaos, then it's time to kind of start removing some things. And, you know, one thing that um, I'm, I, my kids are pre, they got their phones when they were teenagers, mostly so I could call them to tell them to come home. Um, that was mum's mum's uh, thing. Um, but, you know, they, they didn't have any of this distraction. You know, they did have video games. They were only allowed to play them a certain amount of time. Um, they did not. They wrote, they put on plays, uh, they got out and physically played games together, they interacted with one another, and they still do today as adults. They still love hanging out and playing games and doing things together. And with the cellular phone thing today, uh, we're dealing with kids, you know, parents just handing the kid a phone to play with, and, uh, and unfortunately the kid isn't learning how to interact. Yeah, I think, you know, what's happening, I think I was reading a, a paper on this the other, uh, well, a couple of months ago, and, uh, you know, about uh, the this generation doesn't know how to socially interact with one another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, and I thought to myself, huh, that would be a good workshop. Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> a desperately needed one, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and it is becoming a problem. Very, very big problem. Um, you know, especially as these kids are going out into the working force, yeah. you know, later on in life, uh, that they are, they don't have the social skills that, um, that we have. Yeah, I mean, if they can't text it, you know, or, or Snapchat it or Instagram it, that's it. And if you look at that, everything is about instant gratification. And they don't know how to articulate or have that conversation that isn't kind of like three syllable, 140 image words or an image. And we're losing that art of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, we are losing the art of conversation. 
uh, you know, and, and so how do you turn that around? I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other, yeah. that's a whole other program. Yeah. <laughs> what I've done is it's, uh, you know, how wonderful again these tools are, but it's, you know, we, we see all these movies about robots taking over the world. Well, maybe it's because we handed, you know, uh, the world over to the, um, robotics. And when we're looking at it today, look at how much we have around us that is so easy. You know, oh, you want to know something? Just Google it. Um, you want this, you want that? On your phone, just do it. Or on the computer, just do it. And we've forgotten to kind of maybe pick up the phone and ask a friend, do you know this? Do you know that? And hear somebody else's experience over it, which is so much more pleasurable. And you're going to learn so much more just getting some Google or Wikipedia type stuff from it yeah uh for sure right you know uh you know and i mean you know as we try to you know move the conversation and um and figure out how how we do that one of the things that we talk about or i talk about a lot in the parenting programs around this is uh how do we find our own passion and purpose and how do we support our children yeah. in finding their passion and purpose so that they have the ability to have these deep conversations with other people to bring them out of that, uh, you know, out of that phone, I mm. guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, you know, our journey in life is to find our, our meaningful purpose in, in life that we step into in passion to be of service to humanity. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we can come across it early in life and sometimes it's a later in life thing. But I think the greatest gift a parent can give a child is showing them how much you enjoy your own life, not only as a parent, but as a mother or father, that it's not all about parenting. I, when I parented, I gave myself up, you know, to parenting completely and I lost my identity. I was just mum. Uh, and Sarah didn't have anything for herself at all. I got caught in that trap. Well, what is that teaching kids? It, parenting is a sacrifice. And it isn't. It isn't about sacrifice. It's about, um, you know, having to be flexible. It, it's about having to plan things, you know, to take some time for yourself. But it isn't about sacrificing yourself. And so many parents do, don't they? Yeah, absolutely they do. You know, uh, before I became a coach, I was certified in another program called, uh, Sacred Gifts. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a program around finding, you know, finding your passion and purpose in life, you know, or, and being able to stand in your authentic self. And interestingly enough, um, I remember, you know, standing there and crying, thinking to myself, oh my gosh, every parent should have the information to be able to support their own passions and purpose and living that lifestyle, but more so being able to start to identify what their children's passions and purposes and then how to continually to be curious mm-hmm. and and draw that information and that out. Um, I still teach that program today and I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Yeah, because it's, I think, you know, we're so caught up at the expectation and the tradition um, that we forget about that free human spirit. 
you know life is about fluidity it's about that energy constantly moving in in through us around us um you know through our families it's about that connection and we forget that that human spirit needs to be free that doesn't mean that we we don't need to be rooted but in the tree of life you, know, you need to be strong in the trunk deep in the roots and allow those branches to express themselves and it's really important to have that isn't it it is absolutely i think it is it is critical to our survival mm. to to be able to live our our authentic truth yes um and i think if we are able to do that we will be able to move past the traumas in the family dynamics yes. gracefully yeah because you know, you talk about the toolkit, you know, how can somebody who's feeling so crippled in their own life be any solution or any support for their children? So first and foremost, it has to be about you, the individual, the man, the woman, and then as the parents, you know, the wife, the wife, the husband, the mother, the father, before you could even step out there and do anything for your children. So, you know, it's all very well handing your toolkit out. This is how to deal with your kids. But if you don't deal with your sust, you're not going to be able to deal with your kids and their trauma. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Sorry, I think I cut you off there. But, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we have to look at ourselves first. Mm -hmm. What is happening in our life? Um, you know, if, uh, if our li if our lives are chaotic and stressful and we're running around like chickens with our head cut mm -hmm. off, uh, guess what's happening is, is we are teaching our children to do the same thing. So how do we teach them to step back yeah. and take a breath? Right. I mean, calm parents are going to have calm children. It's the same with our pets. You know, oh, I don't know why the dog is playing us sapping or, or barking all the time. It's picking up your stress. It knows something's wrong mm -hmm. and it doesn't know what to do about it. So it's going to act out. Yeah, it's absolutely. Exactly the same with our children. So, yeah. you know, I know that when I was gone, you know, before my divorce and I was in a very unhappy marriage and it was my children that said, mom, you know, what are you doing? Divorce. And I said, well, you children, no, no, we're fine. We'd far rather see you guys separated and happy than being miserable together. And, you know, it took, you know, the, my children for me to do that. And also, funny enough, their support. They ended up supporting me through it. Okay, they were a little older. They were kind of 12 and up. Um, but it, it was something that um, it, I allowed them to kind of step in and become the nurturer of me so that I could get strong enough to reciprocate and I think children love to be able to help their parents. And we should allow that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we are as wise as, how can I say that? We're as wise as we think, think we are. No, maybe that, that's not coming across <laughs> properly. Um, <laughs> no, we get, we get stuck ourselves. Yes. And, you know, and we, and we get blinders that, you know, that we put on, uh, because we, we think we're right. Mm -hmm. you no. Know? And, uh, and so allowing our children to give us a different perspective is always not a bad thing. Exactly. And again, you know, children are incredibly wise because, you know, if they're living in their beautiful 
honest simplicity of life. You know, they see life in such clarity. And very often we overcomplicate things because we want to, you know, over-intellectualize or uh, place too much importance on something where it's just like, it was just a disagreement. Let it go. You mm-hmm. know, don't let it ferment because that disagreement now is going to lose all meaning and uh, and become this, you know, I call it the CNN effect, taking a pimple and making it a volcanic eruption. And, you know, how many times do you hear something that just started off with a tiny little thing and now has become this massive war? Yeah, well, it's because we want to be right. <laughs> no, and, <laughs> um, you know, and really at the end of the day, you know, and I, and I do this, I, I still do this in my own relationships, any relationships that I have and that is like, is something kind of just, it, you know, tweaks me the wrong way or whatever. Uh, and normally before I probably would have responded in some way. And now it's an automatic, I take a step back, mm-hmm. you know, kind of look at the whole timeline of life, my, yeah. and at the end of the day, does that really matter? Right, exactly. Is this something, you know, as they say, don't sweat the small stuff. And, you know, if we are, then maybe what we need to be looking at is, you know, why are we doing this? What is in us at the present moment that's so discontent that we are lashing out at somebody else? You know, and maybe that is something going on within us that we need to resolve because we're imposing on someone else. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, reeling our own dialogue in um, mm. and having a better understanding of how are we showing up you know how are we showing up as as the parent how are we showing up as the friend the sibling you know the 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 wife or the husband um, and really having a good solid foundation on how are we showing up right. in that relationship I think one of the most beautiful things to see is people, older couples, um, being married 40, 50 years, still holding hands, still loving each other. And if you ask them, you know, how did they make the marriage work, is that, you know, they respected one another, they cared for one another, they listened to one another, but also an enormous agreement, which Betty White always uh, says with her relationship with her husband, is we had fun together. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was, um, you know, uh, about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer. My oldest son, I knew I had made it. I knew I'd finally made it as a coach. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't all because of all the designation that I had behind my name, you Mm -hmm. know, and all the education that I've done. It was when my oldest son came to me and asked me if I would coach him and his girlfriend. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when that, that, that respect and that for who you are outside of a parent, right? Yeah. Because kids see us as parents when they start to see us as, you know, um, ordinary people doing something, uh, you know, and separate that parent type thing. And then it's, then you, they do see you and can respect you on a different level. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we have these conversations with our children, um, especially when it's been, you know, something around trauma or anything like that, uh, they do continue to have that level of respect and that respect grows and it, and maybe it's not even just respect, uh, um, that, 
you know, that may not be the right word that I'm using, but it is, it's the ability for the uh, parent-child relationship to flourish. Mm-hmm. And in, in that relationship, they start learning about their own relationships, the child I'm talking about. Right. You know, yeah. and, and how are they showing up in, in their relationships? Um, and through trauma can, can come great, great things. So what is it that we want to take from that information to move us, to catapult us forward? Yeah. And that's such a difficult question when it is still in that raw stage. Mm-hmm. But after the fact, um, when they are ready to move forward, there can be some great conversations around what do they want. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, uh, separating the parent from, from you know, the expert that you are, um, children, again, it doesn't matter what their age is, you know, kind of always want the advice from their parents. Um, and But they're going to go through a period in their lives where they know it all and they're going to tell you everything. And that's part of the game, their process, you know, kind of stepping into their ownership of their own knowledge. And, uh, you know, for a while there, you as parents are just kind of stupid. Uh, until they kind of step into life and experience it and then realize, wow, you know, my parents are a lot smarter than I thought they were. Um, maybe it is time to listen. So there's going to be the waves, isn't, isn't it? You know, uh, go through their process in life and their exploration and self-discovery of life as to how you fit into their lives. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, uh, you know, it's an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, like and, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I think, you know, when we can start teaching our children at a very, very young age, um, and and maybe it's not so much teaching, but I mean it's it's about how do they connect with their self, mm-hmm. you know? By you know if they ask question, you know, um, instead of giving them the answer, asking them asking them back, well, what what do you think? I want to hear what you think. Yeah, and you know, and I'm allowing for is interaction, right? Interaction. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. You know, and you can always give the answer. Mm-hmm. But many of the times, they will already have the answer. They're just not trusting themselves. Right. Exactly. Or, or, you know, they're wanting to please you and come up with the answer they think you want to hear, rather than that gut instinct of an answer that lies within them. So teaching them to listen to their spirit, to their, you know, their inner voice, I think is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. Well, and I think especially if they've gone through trauma, because lots of times what will happen is they stop trusting themselves. So how do we give that trust back to them, you know, to give, to empower them to, to come out the other side with this amazing ability to trust themselves? And also to give back their worth, because we know when you're looking at, you know, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's bullying, you know, and it could be bullying from a sibling, from a parent, from school, you know, from their environment. Um, it th- All of that demeans them, makes them feel less than, you know, what they really are. And that journey back to that self-empowerment, to, you know, loving themselves um, is sometimes could be a hard journey. But I think once you give them that gift of self-love, you know, of so of the exploration of their purpose in life, you know, that value they place upon themselves, I think is one of the greatest gifts and tools you can give your children. Mm-hmm. 
For sure. You know, um, allowing your child from their authentic self, allowing them to uh, have the ability to to trust their own instinct um, will nurture them, will nurture their in ah their their insides yes. they, they will they will walk away they will walk upright let me say yes. it that way yes. <laughs> they yes. will they will walk upright being very proud of who they are and what they can bring and contribute uh in all of their relationships um you know whether it's a friendship or or, or an intimate relationship um or just a relationship with themselves yeah yeah, which is really, really important. You know, I think one of the problems that we have with the world today is there's too many people disconnected from themselves. You know, they've kind of handed themselves over to, you know, to government, to industry, to church, and, and kind of abstained from taking any ownership over their own lives. And, you know, we want people to be a part of the whole. Um, but you have to be a whole person going to that collective whole. And each one of us is responsible for our choices in life for our reactions, our interactions, and the sooner we start learning to love ourselves and embrace ourselves from the inside out, the sooner we realize that is a contribution to the world, bringing our whole self, our beautiful abundant selves to the table. And if you fix the parent, you know, by giving them, because they've been brought up maybe believing they're not worthy, um, don't expect much out of them, they're never going to be much in life. If we don't take care of the parent, it, it, we're just going to repeat that cycle with the child because the child is learning from the parent. Yeah, and that is why we call our company Moving the Human Spirit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that human spirit needs to be moved. <laughs> As it always does. Yeah, it's always moving. We need to connect with it. Because I think, you know, as, as human beings, we want to be stagnant and the train's passing us by. No, get on quickly. You know, enjoy the flow. You don't have to know what the next destination is. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And to never say that it's too late. Because yeah. the reality is, it is never Never too late. Um, I work with uh, families, you know, where a parent is well into their seventies, mm-hmm. and they are, and they're trying to have a better relationship with their adult children. Yes, yes. You know, they even come to the parenting programs because it doesn't matter how old you are. <clears throat> Or what has happened? Sorry, I'm getting choked up because <laughs> it's so passionate for yes. me. Yes. Um, or what has happened? We can always learn, we can always grow, and we always have something to contribute. And I think there's nothing worse than having a disconnection between you and your child at any age. I don't know how many parents know I never speak to that child anymore. That child just walked away from me. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, that, that parent doesn't have that connection with that child that isn't a part of their lives. Um, because... You know, my children are, are 28 to 34. Um, unfortunately, my 34-year-old lives in Toronto, so I don't see her very much. My other daughter's on the island, and my son is here, which obviously I see a lot more. I love being with my children. I love being with their friends and their peers. I love learning, you know, what, what concerns them in life, you know, and stepping into my purpose in life is like, oh, I've got a show for that. Listen to that, and you'll have the answers, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful thing with children and to see that disconnect the pain that you're both carrying is something that you will not only pass on to your children but it will go on to your next lifetime so deal with it in this lifetime build those bridges 
um, yourselves, forgive each other and find that love because that is so very important to every single living person out there. Yes, yes. Understand that, you know, we might all be speaking the English language, but I guarantee you we are not speaking the same language. Right, exactly. And we've got to learn to listen to those different perspectives and different approaches to life. And, uh, you know, this is yours and that's what you believe in, but that person is just as fervent about theirs. So why don't you look between the lines and look at the common denominator? Because that common denominator is your connection. Yeah, it's the bridge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, parents have got to stop beating themselves up on, on um, I didn't handle that well, um, I don't know what to do, um, you know, pulling their hair out and just realize you're not alone. We've got people, you know, like you guys from uh, Moving the Human Spirit. Each one of you has your own particular area of expertise. And it's all about stepping into that and saying, yes, I need help. That doesn't make you a failure. That doesn't make you flawed you know what it makes is is that you're recognizing you need help that is beautiful because now in you receiving that help your children are going to be better their children are going to be better you know there's no flaw or shame in asking for help it's necessary to ask for help because again going back to that village right yeah absolutely yeah and you know what and it's why I do what I do um my you know I work specifically with families um more so with gifted and at risk youth and uh you know and it's supporting the parents on how do they uh live a life with these children and convert them and themselves in being amazing people and we have, I mean, I don't think the human race really knows how awesome it can be. And when you do step into your meaningful purpose, when you're truly living in your joy, your beautiful human spirit, you just realize how much potential you have, how many possibilities are out there in life. You know, how much we have not only scratched the surface on, how much more there is to explore and be curious about. And that whole entire vibration is just so beneficial to each other as a human race. So we need to step outside of that trauma, be willing to let it go, and we need help to do that. We're not meant to do it alone. So having said that, how do people find you and what kind of programs do you have for them? Sure. Okay. So myself, um, I run mainly the parenting programs, um, and I also run the uh, the Sacred Gifts program as well. Um, Cindy supports in that uh, the Sacred Gifts program. That can be both uh, for for yourself as a person going through wanting to live a life of passion and purpose. It can. It is also an amazing, amazing parenting tool. Uh, I teach this to parents all the time. Um, and you can find us on uh, movingthehumanspirit.com. We are on social media, uh, LinkedIn, I'm Susan Hogarth, and uh, Facebook, we have a Moving the Human Spirit Facebook page, so you can go and request uh, information from there as well. Um, and we teach relationship courses uh, as well. I have a meetup group. Uh, called Understanding Relationships. It's uh, it's a meetup group, and I do a free uh, um, com- coffee and a conversation the last Thursday of every month in Vancouver. Or in in 
uh, we're in Ammon, Surrey, yep, but I do it just right off the number one highway so that it's very accessible to anybody. Right. And, and you're now going online with your courses as well. Yeah, that's correct. So if anybody's interested that are in the lower mainland, um, I have done courses, you know, that have been right across uh, Canada and the United States. And so it's easy to do. Um, and, um, yeah, and we just keep growing. Right. It's a, it's an amazing thing that's happening and we are changing the world one conversation at a time. And that's all you can do. That's the domino effect. You know, everybody's looking for the big, you know, hoo-ha, the million followers. You know, I rather have a few interactors than a million followers, right? You know, it's, it's, um, because that, the more you feed that next person, the more they then feed the next person and you've got that beautiful domino effect, that level ripple effect. Um, so it, it's, change the life of one person and uh, you, you'll see the effect that it has so um, it's beautiful when you have that that impact isn't it it is wonderful yeah and it's such a um, a good feeling inside to know that uh, we are changing lives we are moving people's spirit right and uh, the, the quicker people embrace that beautiful spirit um you know, their meaningful purpose, uh, the, the quicker they become better parents. Uh, we have children that don't grow up with so many images. I mean, we cannot help what happens to us in life. Trauma is going to happen. But if you have cool, calm, loving parents that can help you through it as a child, then you're going to know that trauma is just an obstacle that needs to be dealt with. It's not something that's going to end your life. It's just something you have to learn to adjust to or work around and learn from. And uh, that kind of approach to it can already diffuse the trauma in a lot of ways, can't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, you know well put. Um, it's what do you want to take with this information now to to move your life in a positive direction, yeah. even through this crisis? Exactly, and don't get caught up in the drama of the trauma. Yeah, right, because that can spiral out of control. So it's, you know, you're in a trauma, you're going to go through the emotions, you're meant to go through them, but now it's how do you get through the other side, um, even better than you were before. And that is possible, most certainly. So to help your child, if you've got a child going through trauma, um, being bullied at school, you know, or it's a divorce, or there's been a death of a grandparent, or something's happened, you yourself as a parent, go and get the advice and what you need to do to help your child. It's about helping the child and the parents still being dysfunctional. Help the parents so it can help the child. So that uh, is very important. And you can uh, reach Susan at susan at movingthehumanspirit.com. And, of course, everything is on their site, movingthehumanspirit.com. And the next part in this is uh, Cindy, who's going to come on and talk to us about trauma in relationships. And many relationships can be very traumatic, can't they? They can. <laughs> they can. I don't think anybody's relationship was out some form of trauma. So how do we avoid it? <laughs> Definitely. So listen out for that one, folks, because that's coming up um, in in a couple of weeks. So thank you so much, Susan, for you know being here today and sharing all your expertise and passion for what you do. Thank you very much, Sarah. It was uh, very, very exciting to do this. And, uh, yeah, I hope to do it again. Yes, I think uh, what we're going to do in, in September is have all three of you on a round table. 
And, oh, nice. And uh, we'd have topic then and, and uh, have all three of your experts at the table, which I think will be a lot of fun. So, But uh, thank you for what you're doing. You know, if, um, as you're saying, it's the root of the problem, the parents. Um, if whatever your child is going through, you need to sort it out first so you can help your child. Um, so kind of get out of your own way, embrace your own human spirit and get the help that you need. So thank you, Susan. Thank you. Until next time, folks, on the next show. Uh, with Cindy on relationships. Bye for now.